Hello, hello. You are listening to A Pastor in His Newspaper with Dr. Castro, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It is good to be with you. Uh, the summer is coming closely to an end. We're in the end of July and it'll be August and then we'll be into in the football season. School we will be back in session um, and then we'll be in the fall again. Oh, I love the fall. Looking forward to the fall and uh, love the changing of the leaves, football season, uh, fall festivals, pumpkin things and um, chili and I just love the fall and obviously love football. So uh, looking forward to that. Cannot wait. But um, we are going to be talking about American diplomacy and uh, especially in the Middle East. Um, And so we're going to look a little bit and kind of historically about the America's involvement with uh, Israel and Palestine and um, working through um, a peace solution for that region and really the failure of, of the, of American diplomacy in, uh, the Middle East, especially in, when it comes to the Holy land and Israel and Palestine and Palestinians and working through that. And, um, and so we'll talk a little bit of why that matters right now, but, uh, to give you a little bit of, of history, um, typically since 1948, when, Israel became a, a nation again. And then of course the, the Palestinians who lived in that, in that area between the Jordan river, the Jordan Valley and the Mediterranean sea were very much, were pretty much pushed out of that area. Uh, and ever since that particular time, um, there has been war and conflict between the Palestinian Arabs and the Jews, um, over, Land and and um, both are establishing um, their home in that in that in that land. And America has been involved in number one helping to establish the nation of Israel, but then creating some type of peace between those two states. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of of, of some history before we talk about um, why this is a uh, uh, brought back in the, into the. Um, into the news just recently, but so a state, two state solution to uh, a nation of Israel and a nation of uh, the Palestinians was proposed by the Oslo Accords. Now this was accord was during the presidency of Bill Clinton. Um, and, and so it led up. So where are we kind of, how do we get to the Oslo Accord in 1993? Was that after the fall of the Ottoman empire, after world war one, the Ottoman Empire, which is modern-day Turkey, uh, at one point had a vast empire that made up uh, most of Eastern Europe, uh, Greece, uh, all of Turkey, obviously, and most of the Middle East as well, down into the um, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, um, in even into Egypt. It, it owned a large piece of what we would call the Middle East. And after the war, after they they were actually allied with the Germans and they lost World War One, a lot of the European powers took over a lot of that region. Egypt was taken over by the British and the Palestinian area was taken off by the British as well. And so there was a collection of Zionists and Jews in Britain uh, that wanted the, the, the British to establish 
a the nation of Israel, that, that there would be a home for the Jews. Um, but there obviously there was a large group of Arabs that were under the Ottoman Empire that lived in Palestine or what we would call the Cana, where Israel was during the Bible, during the Old Testament, and also Israel when Jesus came into the world. Uh, so Jews and Arabs both claim the right to self-determination in the historical Palestine. So a first attempt at partitioning the land in 1948 resulted in an Israeli state, but no Palestinian state. And the West Bank and the Gaza Strait fell under Jordanian and Egyptian rule, respectively. In 1967, there was a six-day war. Israel captured and occupied the West Bank, the Gaza Strait, and other Arab territories, which in the aftermath led to the idea that Israel would exchange the land it had captured for peace with its Arab neighbors, including eventually the Palestinians. In 1947, the United Nations General Assembly adopted the United Nations Partition Plan for Palestine, which was rejected by Arab leaders. And this this plan actually was to partition the land where part of the land would go to the Jews and part of the land would go to the Palestinians. But the Arab leaders rejected it. They wanted all of the land. They didn't want to settle on any type of partition plan. And so hence why we have the issue that we have today. Reason why they, you have Israel, um, the nation of Israel, and the Palestinian Authority and the Palestinians have no recognized nation. Now, they do live in recognized territories of the Gaza Strait, where we'll get into the Hamas, um, the terrorist group, occupies that portion of, of that region of Palestine. And then we have the West Bank. Um In 2014, 60% of the Palestinians said the final goal of their national movement should be to work towards reclaiming all of historic Palestine from the river to the sea. A poll published in 2021 by the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research revealed that only 39% of Palestinians supported the two-state solution. The two-state solution being a nation for Israel and a nation for Palestine. Only 39% supported the two-state solution. Another report published in 2021 by the RAND Corporation found that Israelis across the political spectrum opposed a two-state solution. And so from 1993 during the Oslo Accords and onward, there's been this push to create the two-state solution. But the issue with this is that ex- uh, external or uh, third parties like the United States or the European powers are trying to create a two-state solution when both the Palestinians and the Israelis reject a two-state solution. In 1991, there was like really the first major uh, attempt uh, to create a two-state solution was in the Madrid Conference. In 1991, at the end of the Madrid conference, all participating countries appeared hopeful that the conference had resulted in a future roadmap for reconciliation. The closing remarks presented below illustrates this hopeful uh, sentiment. Uh, This was the Israeli prime minister. Uh, and on November the 1st, 1991. With an open heart, we call on the Arab leaders to take the courageous steps and respond to our outstretched hand in peace. The head of the Palestinian delegation, 
also said on that same day in 1991 to the co-sponsors and to the international community that seeks the achievement of a just peace in the Middle East. You have given us a fair hearing. You cared enough to listen. And for that, we thank you. We thank you. So it seemed in 1991 that there was a hopeful future, that there could be two nations, two states, Israel and Palestine living near each other, being neighbors obviously being at odds with one another when it comes to uh, religious thought, but yet to recognized states. You have the prime minister of, of Israel. You have the head of the Palestinian delegation, both stating for a hopeful future that two, these two groups could live side by side. So in 1993, again, President Clinton is the president, Bill Clinton, the Oslo Accords, this is Oslo and Nor- Norway. When the Oslo won, so the Oslo was in two separate accords, and with Oslo won accord was signed in 1993. Neither a government, government nor a parliament existed for the Palestinian territories. The Palestinian Authority, the PA or PIN, PNA was created by the 1994 Gaza-Jericho Agreement. So before 1994, before the Gaza-Jericho Agreement, there was no such thing as a Palestinian authority. Basically, the Palestinian groups basically lived in the Gaza Strait and the West Bank, but there was no official formal recognition of their government. And so in, when, in the Madrid conference, they sent a delegation. They didn't have a formal government that they sent. This is what that uh, first accord in Oslo said. It said, Israel shall transfer authority as specific in, the, in this agreement from the Israeli military government and its civil administration to the Palestinian Authority, hereby established in accordance with Article 5 of, the, of this agreement, except for the authority that Israel shall continue to exercise as specific in this agreement. The PA, or the Palestinian Authority, temporarily executed some powers and responsibilities until the establishment of the Council, Article 1, 1 through 2 of the Oslo 2 Accord read, Israel trans- shall transfer powers and responsibilities as specific in this agreement from the Israeli military government and its civil administration to the Council in accordance with this agreement. Israel shall continue to exercise powers and responsibilities not so transferred. Pending the inauguration of the Council, the powers and responsibilities Responsibilities transferred to the council shall be exercised by the Palestinian Authority established in accordance with the Gaza-Jericho Agreement, which shall also have all the rights, liabilities, and obligations to be assumed by the council in this regard. Accordingly, the term council throughout this agreement shall, pending the inauguration of the council, be construed as meaning the Palestinian Authority. So the first election for the Palestinian Legislative Council, the PLC, were held on 1993, January 20th. The governments elected by the PLC retained the name Palestinian National Authority. So as we see uh, before 1996, there was an agreement that Israel would hand over responsibilities over the territory of the West Bank and the Gaza Strait to the Palestinian Authority and let them allow them to have their own government uh, to be self-governed and that this would be the agreement going forward. 
1995, the Oslo two accords expanded on the first agreement, adding provisions that mandated the complete withdrawal of Israel from six cities and 450 towns in the West bank. So in a sense that the West bank would be completely given and occupied and governed by the Palestinian authority. And of course, obviously also the Gaza, Gaza Strait in 2000, Sparked in part by Palestinian grievances over Israel's control over the West Bank. In the summer of 2014, clashes in the Palestinian territories precipitated a military confrontation between the Israeli military and Hamas, in which Hamas fired nearly 3,000 rockets at Israel. And Israeli retaliated with a major offensive in Gaza. Gaza, uh, The Gaza Strip was the, the territory that is now held by Hamas. West Bank is being uh, held by the Palestinian Authority. The skirmish ended in late August 2014 with a ceasefire deal brokered by Egypt, but only after 73 Israelis in, uh, and 2,251 Palestinians were killed. After a wave of violence between Israelis and Palestinians in 2015, Palestinian President Muhammad Abbas announced that Palestinians could no longer be bound by the territory divisions created by Oslo Accord. In March and May of 2018, Palestinians in the Gaza Strait conducted weekly demonstrations at the border between the Gaza Strait and Israel. The final protest co- coincided with the seventh, 70th anniversary of the Palestinian exodus that accompanied Israel's independence. Basically, this is um, protesting when Israel basically received the the, the nation from the British. While most of the uh, protesters were peaceful, some stormed the perimeter fence and threw rocks and other objects. According to the United Nations, 183 demonstrators were killed and more than 6,000 were wounded by live ammunition fired by the Israeli military. Also in May of 2018, fighting broke out between Hamas and the Israeli military in what became the worst period of violence since 2014. Before reaching a ceasefire, militants in Gaza fired over 100 rockets into Israel, and Israel responded with strikes on more than 50 targets in Gaza during the 24-hour flare-up. Donald Trump's administration set achieving the Israeli-Palestinian deal as a foreign policy priority. In 2018, the, the Trump administration canceled funding for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, which provides aid to Palestinian refugees, and relocated the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, a reversal of longstanding U.S. policy. The decision to move the U.S. Embassy was met with applause from the Israeli leadership, but was condemned by Palestinian leaders and others in the Middle East and Europe. Israel considers the complete and united Jerusalem its capital, while Palestinians claim East Jerusalem as the capital of a future Palestinian state. In January 2020, the Trump administration released its long-awaited Peace to Prosperity Plan, which was rejected by the Palestinians due to its support for future Israeli annexation of settlements in the West Bank. Again, that one of the major issues with Israel and the Palestine is that the Israel continues to build settlements in the West Bank, which is 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 failing to follow the Oslo Accord and control over an undivided Jerusalem. In August and September 2020, the United Arab Emirates, or UAE, UAE, and then Bahrain agreed to normalize relations with Israel, making them only the third and fourth countries in the region following Egypt in 1979 and Jordan in 1994 to create a diplomatic relationship with Israel. This is called the, I think it's called the Abraham Accord. The agreements named the Abraham Arab, uh, the Abraham Accord came from 
than 18 months after the United States hosted Israel and several Arab states for ministerial talks in Warsaw, Poland, about the future of peace in the Middle East. Palestinian leader Muhammad Abbas rejected the accords, and Hamas has also ejected the Abraham uh, Accord. So why I say all this, a lot has happened, a lot of history, a lot of accords and, and peace talks and, and negotiations and, and things, and obviously uh, failure to follow those accords and wars and conflicts have erupted. Many have died. Many are, are living in poverty and are in refugee camps. Uh, Israel lives in fear. Palestinians live in fear. It is a, it's a situation that is unfortunate. It is a situation that has, has continued over many years and nothing really has changed. Recently, President Joe Biden visited the region and typically every president since, I mean, you had uh, Jimmy Carter is one who, um, uh, the Camp David, um, uh, peace talks between e- uh, Egypt and, and Israel, um, you have President Clinton and the Oslo Accords. President George W. Bush also um, uh, tried to negotiate a, a peace uh, agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. Um, oh, President Obama did this as well. All have, in some ways, failed to to create a, a, a two-state solution, which has been kind of the goal uh even all the way back to 1948, which the Arab leaders rejected the United Nations option. But this has been kind of the goal in, in, in the diplomacy in, in, in the Palestinian area or the Palestine area is a two-state solution. So President Trump attempted uh, for a moment. So again, President Biden hasn't really attempted to do much of any major diplomacy in the region. So recently he, in the beginning of July, he actually middle of July, he traveled to the region and visited the region. He only spent 48 hours and hardly did anything to build peace in the region. Quote from an article, no president in recent memory has arrived with so little to say about the reasons most intractable conflict. Both nations seem completely at odds with one another. It seems Biden and the U.S. State Department has agreed with the status quo. Israel has an established nation and the Palestinians are people with no nation of their own. No attempt, nothing to bridge any gaps, talk to certain groups, nothing whatsoever. Israel is currently struggling to form a majority government. Former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's government collapsed and new elections, the fifth since 2019, will be in November. Uh, Yair Lapid is the caretaker prime minister. Long-serving PM Benjamin Netanyahu is planning on running again in November. So in one way, there isn't a, a majority leader for Israel, so it's hard to, to really meet with anyone and negotiate any talks. But President Biden goes in, who's known to be somewhat of a foreign policy expert. I mean, it's kind of a passion of his. He was very much involved in foreign policy as a Senator. He goes into one of the more, one of the more difficult, uh, uh, diplomatic, uh, situations, Israel and the Palestinians, and yet says very little about it and does very little when he's there. Biden did meet with Palestinian Authority leader Mahmoud Abbas, who's 86 years old in Bethlehem. 
But the focus of the trip for Biden was the price of oil. So he met with uh, Mohammed bin Salam, the Saudi crown prince in Jedi, the Saudi's commercial capital. And President Biden has stated before that the trip that he would before the trip that he would uh, show off America's vital leadership role in the region, but yet failed to do much leading in the region at all. And I think we, if you want to, if you're kind of new to the Middle East and understanding uh, the foreign policy and international relations and the geopolitical issues with the Middle East, Middle East can really be split into kind of three major players. You have the Israelis who are supported by the Americans in in the United kingdom. I wouldn't even say necessarily that they're supported by the Europeans uh, because the Europeans historically, uh, the French have had a a stronger relationship with Iran. Uh, Of course, the Russians have had a a relationship with Iran and Syria and, uh, and some of the German uh, country, the German country as well. I think Germany has had, had a relationship, um, a long-term relationship with Turkey, but also a relationship with Iran. Um, the, and so the United States and, and Britain and in the UK has been the great supporters of the government of Israel. The Saudis are the de facto leader of the Arab world. Um, and, and so they tend to be the one that in some ways um, is the, the leader of um, the Arab world. The Iranians, who the the Shiite side of Islam, which is at odds actually with the Sunnis and the Arabs, they support Hamas, the terrorist group, uh, the Palestinian terrorist group, Hezbollah, which is a terrorist group and uh, coming out of Lebanon that has had also have issues with Israel and have gone to war with Israel even in the 21st century, and the Houthis, which is a is a terrorist group in Yemen. And so those are the three major players in the Middle East. And Palestinians kind of, the the Arabs, even though they are Arab, they are kind of used um, as as a buffer for, against the Israelis and the United States. They, uh, the palace, the Arabs haven't, the Saudi, the, the Saudis haven't, uh, helped form a, a nation for them in their own region of their own lands instead use them more as a, as, as bait and an annoyance against the Israelis, in the United States. And so the Palestinians remain an unloved ethnic group used more to threaten Israel's interests in the reason and not supported and cared for uh, directly by the, the, the Saudis and the Iranians. And the reason why we, we bring this up again, the United States seems like they're taking a back seat in this conflict. They're not leading. Um, they're not um, involved. They are, they're, kind of on the sidelines where they used to be kind of in the middle of supporting Israel and, and, and trying to form some type of two state solution. Um, because one of the issues is as Christians, we, you know, we support the nation of Israel, they're a dem- democratic nation. They're an ally of the United States and the Palestinians. The issue with the Palestinians is, is that they're most of the people are, are suffering. They're refugees. They have no home. Um, and as I will state here is that because of the conflict that Palestinians and the Israelis have had over so many years, 
uh, and when Hamas took control of the Gaza Strait 15 years ago, that there was a, a blockade. The Egyptians and Israel formed a blockade for the sake of security. Um, and if Hamas were to, in a sense, lay down their arms and no longer shoot rockets, then that blockade would cease and they would open Gaza to the world. But what's happened is because the, the issue is they don't want better weapons and more stockpile of weapons to get into Hamas's hands. And so this blockade continues, which obviously hurts the people. 2.2 million of Gaza's population are under the age of 25. Students who graduate from college have few job opportunities. Unemployment rate is 47%. For young people, the rate is 70%. 70% of young people in the Gaza Strait, which makes up 2.2 million of the population, 70% of them have no employment, no jobs. Those who do find work live on about... Those who do not find work earn maybe 33 shekels a day. Many young people do not have enough money to get married. 77% of children under the 17 are depressed and more than half have pondered suicide. Some have drowned trying to escape on rickety boats across the Mediterranean Sea. Sometimes I think we forget in these geopolitical conflicts, the human cost, lives that are lost, the suffering that is taking place, the poverty the uh, you know, young issue with young people is, is that you know, under those who are under the age of 25, they have nothing to do spending all day, just simply sitting, not occupied, not working. Some are busy shooting rockets in Israel. Some are suicide bombers, but many of them just do very little, very few, very little food to eat. Um, and so you have, you have students going to college and getting degrees as, as doctors and dentists and having making very little money and having very little job opportunities. People that are couples that are want to be married and can't get married because they can't even afford to get married. They can't even afford to have a wedding. We forget the geopolitical cost. We pick sides, which makes sense. We pick sides. We favor, um, you know, certain groups. We favor certain nations. And obviously most of us probably listening to this podcast support Israel and support the nation of Israel. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but there are many people in the Palestinian side that are suffering, that there is real cost. And I think we have to remember that real people are suffering in these, these situations, And as Christ looked down upon that hungry crowd in the gospels, he had compassion on them and fed them. And he tells, actually tells his disciples to feed them. So you feed them, you provide food for them. Of course, I was like, what, what, how can we feed all these people? How can we care for all these people? And of course, you know, Christ took the bread, he took the fish, he broke them into pieces. And they were distributed to all the people. There were 12 baskets on the first. They had 12 baskets left over. They had seven baskets left over. And there are very few Christians in Gaza. There are very few Christians in the West Bank today. A lot of Christians have left that area due to economic issues because of just the poverty. And, and a, lot of, a lot of Palestinians live in, in tents because they have no homes. And the violence... And as we think about this conflict, as we think about this situation, obviously the, the United States is not taking part 
in a vital way like they used to. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, goes over to this area, spends very little time there, and moves on. And as the church, as as Christians, as we think about this issue, as we read about our you know our president going to the area, or if violence were to break out again. And we think about how can we help those who are in need? How can we bring um, bread? But ultimately, how can we bring bread from that? But how can we bring the gospel to this area that is suffering? And, you know, many people go to the Holy Land. They visit. They go to the tourist attractions. They, they see where Jesus walked. They go to the Sea of Galilee. They go to the Dead Sea. They go to Jerusalem. They go to the Holy Sites. These are all great things. I hope that I get an opportunity to do that someday. But it's important as we think about the human cost and the, the suffering that is happening in this area, the, the lack of, of gospel witnessed amongst the Palestinians, the lack of churches in the, Pal- in the in Gaza Strait in the West Bank. And maybe as we as American Christians, we can think more, we can think instead of just being tourists to the Holy land, we can also be missionaries there as well. And we can bring the gospel to this, 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 this place, this, this area that has had so much conflict, so much um, violence. There's so much human cost, so much disagreement. And for, for many leaders, they've used this as an opportunity to, for glory you know, the, we think about going back to the Crusades, the reason why European, you know, soldiers would go to the Holy Land for the Crusades is for glory, for wealth. And really, that's what a lot of European and Western leaders sometimes have done in this area is to seek their own glory and prestige and peace prizes. And many, several have won peace prizes through their attempt to create a peace between Israel and Palestine. And obviously by God's sovereignty, that hasn't happened. There hasn't been uh, a peace between these two, these two groups, between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And they continue to have conflict. They tend to war and some nations like the Saudis are, are using it for their own benefits. Europeans are using the issue for their own benefits. The Americans are using it for their own benefits but through all this, there is some human cost. There's true human suffering that is happening. And the biggest human issue and the human suffering is that they don't have Jesus Christ. The gospel isn't known. The churches aren't being planted there. And as we think about, as we pray, and maybe as we sit this, this evening or as we think about our Sunday morning worship coming up, we think about this particular part of the world. We think about Israel. We think about the Palestinians. And we ask ourselves, Lord, how can we reach them with the gospel? How can we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to hurting people, to a dark and dark place? And may God bring opportunities for us to share the gospel with those who don't have it. The gospel will go forth to the ends of the earth. And that includes going back to where it started. You know, we think about Jerusalem and the disciples, the apostles, after Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes upon them at the day of Pentecost in the upper room. And then Peter gives that great, great historic sermon and 3000 come to know Christ of the Jews. And the gospel 
went forth from Jerusalem. It went to Antioch. It came from that region. And may God bring the gospel back to that region, that we would see the gospel go forth to Palestinians and to Jews as well, and that the gospel would be believed and Christ would be worshiped and praised. And we would call the Palestinians and the Jews our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for that day. We pray for peace. And we know peace is going to come. We know that peace will come through Christ. We know that Christ will establish his kingdom. And there will be peace. There will be a new Jerusalem. And there will be no conflicts of who owns the, the, the city of Jerusalem. But it should be a nation or a city where God alone is worshipped. And we will raise it. We will lift up his, his, his name and we will praise his name. We will praise his deeds and his works and his great salvation. We will hold hands with Jews and Palestinians and Arabs and Iranians and Chinese and those from all over the world. We shall worship Christ. He proclaim him as Lord. And there will be no war. There will be no conflict. There will be no walls. There will only be worship. And we look forward to that day. And we pray for that day. But in the meantime, we pray that the gospel will go forth to people of, of, of Israel and the, and the people of Palestine and may God lead your church or your family to be a part of that work. So thanks for listening to this kind of history uh, report here at uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor in his newspaper. Thanks for listening and hope that you will continue to read the news with the Bible in your hand. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and we will see you next week talking more about what's happening in our world through uh, the news. So thanks for listening to a pastor's newspaper and we'll see you again.